chapter 21, verse 18. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? They discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first. And they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to to other tenants who will give him 
the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. Thank you, Pastor Gene. Good morning, brothers and sisters. You want to hold your Bibles open there in Matthew 21 this morning. I just want to go ahead and own it. As Anthony said earlier, today is going to look a little bit different in our gathering this morning and kind of want to let you go ahead and know what that's going to look like. But just so you know, when we gather together as God's people, we gather to worship. And we do that in different ways. We do that through the public reading of the scriptures like Pastor Gene just did. That's a regular rhythm for us. Why? Because the Bible calls us to do that. We teach and preach from God's word. We're systematically teaching through the gospel of Matthew. Why? Well, we're called to do that when we assemble. We sing the truths like we just sang this morning. We sing it to the Lord. We sing to one another. Uh, We celebrate the ordinances when we gather together, the Lord's Supper and baptism. Why? The Bible calls us to do that. But the Bible also calls us to pray together as God's people. And that's one of the things we probably do less, uh, probably not a good thing that we do that less, but corporately, uh, this morning, we're going to pray together as God's people. And I'm going to walk you through what that's going to look like in just a few minutes, but Matthew 21 is going to guide us through the scripture, and the scripture is going to call us to pray about uh, specific different topics, and I'm going to walk you through some of those, and we're going to gather as families and groups and individuals right there where you're seated, and we're just going to dedicate ourselves to some seasons of prayer this morning. Now, let me go ahead and share with you what the focus of this prayer is going to be today. Anthony already shared it, but let me go a little more detail. Our focus is going to be this mission that's been assigned to us as God's people of making Jesus known. Uh, This stewardship of the gospel that has been entrusted to you, to me, to every believer, uh, this privilege that we have, those of us who have been transformed by Jesus have the privilege and the responsibility of telling others about Jesus. Uh, That's a really good place for an amen. Let me back up. Those of us who have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus have the privilege and the responsibility of telling others about Jesus. Amen? Now, as one of your elders, one of your pastors, we are very much aware of this season in the life of our church where the culture in our church of making Jesus known, boldly sharing the gospel, I'm just going to be honest with you, has taken a hit over the last year in this pandemic. The mission has not changed. The call has not changed. The mandate to go share has not changed. 
the obstacles in doing it have been there. And I get it. Six feet apart, wearing a mask, global pandemic makes it a little more difficult. But listen, the mission of God has not changed. The call to us as disciples to be salt and light where we are planted, to boldly, consistently share the message of the gospel and to call others to a response that has not changed. Amen? That has not changed. Amen? This morning, the hope and the prayer and the desire is we're going to devote ourselves to three different seasons of prayer coming straight out of the scriptures. The prayer, and my prayer and hope is out of this, there will be a rekindled awareness that every place God sets me and assigns me in my life, I'm there to be a light. I'm there to be a spoken witness to the message of the gospel. I pray there's a fresh boldness that comes out of this morning. I pray there's a fresh brokenness that comes out of this morning. And I pray there's some uh, Holy Spirit-empowered action to share the gospel actively and consistently with those around us. So that's the hope and the prayer and the goal for this morning. And I'll just say this too. The conversations that we're going to begin this morning through prayer and through his word, those will continue in your life groups. You're in your life group. You're regularly asked, how are you advancing the Great Commission? What does that look like? Some of the things we're going to talk about this morning are going to continue in your life groups over the coming weeks and months. All right? So Matthew, let's start there. Matthew 21, just a little bit of a review, the whole gospel of Matthew. The theme of Matthew is this, that Jesus is the promised king. He is the promised Messiah. He is the one foretold by the prophets. He is the one promised by God to come. Jesus is the promised Messiah king. While that is going on in the gospel of Matthew, you've probably noticed over the past few weeks At the same time, Jesus is teaching and equipping specifically his disciples. That's been a theme that you've had to see over the past few weeks. And even last week we saw that. And this idea of what does it mean, what does it look like to be an authentic disciple of Jesus, that drumbeat has particularly been going on the past few weeks as we've been walking through Matthew. Big truth that we've looked at the last few weeks is going to be the same today. It's this, authentic disciples... Die to self and follow Jesus. There is a call that we who are authentic disciples of Jesus die to self and we follow Jesus. Pastor Paul walked us through the early part of chapter 20 and a little bit of 21 last week and we saw some examples of what dying to self looks like. We saw that death to self means that the gospel of Jesus will become our central conviction and our passion. Is that true for you? Is that true for me? Are we building our lives around this call to make Jesus known, this gospel message that's been entrusted to us? We saw last week that dying to self means this embracing of servant-hearted sacrifice. Who's the greatest in the kingdom, Jesus said? Your servant. Those who humble themselves as servants. We saw that death to self means obedience and humility, submission to our king. We saw last week that death to self means a passion for the glory of God above all. My life 
is built not around how to please myself, what is in it for me. Lord, is this glorifying you? Are you receiving the glory in this? And what brings most glory to you? We saw some of those things last week. Now, I want to continue on with that idea. And one of the other realities that you can't miss in the Gospel of Matthew as you see the life and the ministry and the mission of Jesus is this. It's impossible to read through Matthew and observe the life of Jesus and to not see his heart for and active ministry to the lost who are around him. It's impossible to miss that Jesus' heart and his brokenness and his ministry to his disciples to equip them, yes. And at the same time, a ministry to those around him that did not know the Father, that had not come to genuine faith. Just some examples of that. Matthew chapter 9, you don't have to look there, Jesus said this. For I came, Jesus said, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus said, Matthew 20, even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and give his life. What? As a ransom for many. Even when we looked at the uh, rich young ruler a few weeks ago, the rich young ruler walked away from Jesus. And the Gospels say, as that young man was walking away, Jesus felt a love for him, a brokenness over his lost condition. So this morning, dying to self and following Jesus, I'm praying for me, I'm praying for us, I'm praying for my family, I'm praying for you, that as we follow Jesus, death to self, following Jesus will mean we have an awareness, an awareness of the lost who are around us. One of the things that's happened through this COVID season, it's happened to me. We go through our lives and we're so distracted by other things that detract. Wherever God plants us, we are there. Let's have an awareness that we are there with the salt and the light, the message of the gospel. I'm praying for an awareness of that this morning. We will have Jesus' brokenness over the lost. The spiritual condition of those around us matters. Why is the world in the shape it's in? Sin, lostness. We have the message of the gospel. And that we will speak with boldness to the lost who are around us. And you're going to see this morning with the very authority of Jesus Christ himself. All right? Now, let's look at the text. Matthew 21, verse 18. We're going to walk through some different sections. And I'm going to lead you through some segments of prayer this morning that come out of the scripture this morning. Matthew 21 Begin reading in verse 18. It's Passion Week, by the way. This is all taking place the week before Jesus goes to the cross. And all the events that are leading up to the cross. Verse 18 says, In the morning, as he was returning to the city, what city? Jerusalem. He became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, yeah, Jesus is talking to trees. That's kind of weird. He says to the fig tree, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. I'll stop right there. Two things are going on in these next few passages. One, Jesus is exposing faithless Israel. Jesus is exposing the faithlessness and the fruitlessness 
of the nation of Israel. Fig tree here has been throughout the Bible a symbol of the nation of Israel. As he goes into Jerusalem, there's this fig tree that has leaves, but it has no fruit. What does that mean? I don't know a lot about fig trees, but here's the idea. In that day, a fig tree would produce leaves and fruit at the same time. They grow together. A fig tree that has leaves and no fruit is a contradiction. Jesus says that's the nation of Israel. Say all the right things, have all the external signs, There's no fruit that is born with genuine faithfulness, genuine faith. So it's an indictment or it's an exposing of Israel. At the same time, Jesus is equipping his disciples, then and us. He's exposing Israel. He's equipping his disciples. So what do the disciples say? Verse 20, when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did this fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, the faithful, his disciples. Truly I say to you, if you have faith and you do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever, verse 22, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Whatever you ask in prayer as my faithful community of people. This is not name it and claim it. This is not if I have enough faith, God will do what I want him to do. No, this is Bible-saturated, spirit-led God-dependent prayer, and here's the point. Let me give you a few big ideas. Number one is this. Jesus calls his followers to pray in faith. Jesus is calling the faithful in light of the barrenness of Israel and their fruitlessness and their faithfulness. He calls his followers to pray in faith. With the background of Israel's barrenness and fruitlessness, Jesus points his disciples, watch this, to the immeasurable power of God unleashed in the lives of those characterized by faith. He calls us to pray. This this idea here of a mountain being thrown into the heart of the sea, what what does that mean? Well, in those days, the idea of a mountain going into the heart of the sea, that was an impossible reality. That's the point. Through prayer, things are possible with God that are impossible with us. That's the point. And the verbs here, by the way, are plural, meaning he's calling us, the community of faith, the Bible-saturated, spirit-filled, faith-filled, God-dependent prayer. So in just a few minutes, we're going to do that. And I just want to let you know, we're going to break up in groups. We're going to pray as family units. If you came with a group of friends, that's fine. If you are a guest and you want to join us, we would love for you to do that. Dads, it may be you that leads your family in prayer this morning. You say, I don't know that my kids are comfortable with this this morning. Teach them. Model it. We're praying for the lost around us and that God would give us a heart for the lost around us. And I'll lead you through that in just a minute. So let's continue on. Verse 23, this is going to guide us into our first segment of prayer. And when he, Jesus, had entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, 
By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Now, you might want to stop right there as you're reading your Bible. This is a ridiculous notion that they are asking the author of all of life, where did you get this authority? (laughs) He has all authority. What authority do you have to come in here and turn the temple upside down? What authority do you have to come in here and call us out like you've called us? Jesus has all authority. Jesus answered them, I'll also ask you one question if you tell me the answer. Then I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. It gives them an illustration. The baptism of John, where does it come from? The ministry of John, where did that come from? From heaven? Did it have the authority of heaven? Or was it merely the authority of man? They discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why do you not believe? If we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they will hold that John was a prophet. They were caught. Watch this. They come back and they answer Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. The faithless, Israelites did not understand the authority of the Messiah, of the Son of God. That was the exposing of them. The equipping of the disciples for you and me this morning is this. Here's your big idea. Jesus sends his followers to speak truth with his authority. I want you to wrestle with that this morning. When we go, we speak with the authority of Jesus himself. We are God's evangelistic strategy to make Jesus known. We have been commissioned and sent with his authority. These religious leaders, they didn't understand authority. They were paralyzed by fear. You see that? Sometimes we get paralyzed by fear. They were wavering back and forth because they lacked the conviction of knowing the truth. Let that not be true of us, the people of God. We go with the full conviction of the power of the gospel, and we go with his authority. Now, here's what I want us to do. This is going to lead us right into our first time of prayer. So I'm going to invite you to do something. In the seat pocket in front of you, you're going to find this little tool. It's a little blue card. You've seen this before. It's kind of got a fresh coat of paint on it, so to speak. But if you're new to our church, maybe you've never seen this before. But I want you to pull this out. This is going to be a tool for you this morning. I'm going to walk you through a few things first, and then I'm going to call you there as a group just to begin to pray about some things I'm going to share with you in just a minute. Someone can start praying, and then someone else can pray, and in just a minute someone's going to close this season of prayer. But just in an attitude of prayer there now, I want to ask you to do this first. I want you to take this card. And at the top of this card, you're first going to identify in your life at least three spheres of influence in your life where Jesus has planted you. Or three spheres of influence in your life where you're surrounded by lost people and maybe you haven't even been aware of that. So just in an attitude of prayer, take this little card, take a pen, there should be one there with you, kind of there in your group and just in those circles, I know it's small. But Lord, show me the arenas, the spheres where I live. Be as specific as you can. This group of people, this ball team, this classroom, this place on my work site, whatever it is. And identify a few of those spheres where God has planted you that you're surrounded by lost people. Do that right now, really quick.
as you're continuing that, I want you to now just begin in a season of prayer. Someone in the group can just begin to pray quietly or out loud. I encourage you to pray out loud. Again, kind of circle up there as a family unit or a group. And I'm going to ask you to pray for three things for a few minutes. Number one, Lord, give me an awareness. Give me an awareness of the places where I'm around lost people. And if you realize there are no places in my life I'm around lost people, maybe that's your prayer. Lord, send me out where I'm among those that don't know you. Secondly, Lord, I ask for boldness rather than fear. And I'm not like these hypocritical leaders that we just read that were paralyzed because of fear. Lord, give me boldness, not fear. And then thirdly, Lord, I ask for conviction, not wavering, that I believe in the power of the gospel message. So awareness, boldness, and conviction to believe the power of the message of the gospel that you've been entrusted with. So take a couple minutes, somebody in the group just begin to pray, and let's go into a season of prayer right now as a church family. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
Lord, I ask for your power to speak your truth in the places you've called me. Give me the boldness to proclaim the gospel wherever I may go, knowing that these are the words of life. Help me to not shrink back from declaring the truth and speaking your word with conviction and boldness. Holy Spirit, we are totally dependent on you to guide us to who you want us to speak and the words that we need. Thank you so much for hearing our prayer. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Harriet. Thank you, guys. i got to admit, it's a really, really sweet thing to hear the people of God in just a chorus of prayers. That's one of my favorite things in the world. So thank you for praying this morning. I'm going to continue on. I'm going to guide us into a second segment of prayer. So look back in your Bibles at Matthew 21, and let's pick back up in verse 28. So Jesus continues on, and conversation here continues on. Verse 28, he says, so what do you think? He's going to tell a parable. He says, there was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered and he said, well, I will not. I don't know how that would go over at your house, but that wouldn't go over really well at my house for the son to just declare I'm not going to do it. But then he comes back and he says, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and he went. Verse 30, and he went to the other son, he said the same, and that son said, I go, I I will, yes sir, but he didn't go. It's a parable between these two sons, they're to see the contrast, and remember in this, Jesus is doing two things, he's exposing faithless Israel, and he's equipping his disciples at the same time. The point of these first couple verses is this, obeying is more important than talking about obeying. Exercising genuine faith is more important than talking about faith. Israel knew the talk. They knew what to say. They would be the son who would say, absolutely, I'll go. But they didn't. There was more talk than there was ever faithless, fruitful obedience. But then this other son who did not at first, but then ended up going, Jesus says, verse 31, Now, which of these two did the will of the Father? Which of these two were were faithful, if you will? They said, well, obviously the first. What they don't realize is in saying that, they're exposing themselves because they were the son who had been taught, had heard, had had all the blessings, had had all the truth given to them as a nation. And yet, yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll go. They said, yes, we'll walk in obedience. But in the end, Israel was faithless and fruitless because ultimately they even reject their Messiah. Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. You want to know who the truly obedient and faithful are? Not the ones who talk about obedience, those who walk in obedience as a demonstration of genuine faith. And he really gets at it, but he says, that would be a tax collector who was hated by the Jews. That would be a prostitute. That would be any person far from God who ultimately walks in repentance, walks in faithfulness, and walks in obedience, and they're exposed. 
And the disciples are watching this and they're hearing. And Jesus comes back and he says, verse 32, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, speaking to the Jews, and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors, and here's what I want you to hear this morning, and the prostitutes, they believed. In the mind of the Israelites, no one was further from God than a tax collector or a prostitute. In their minds, man, we are so more godly than these people. Those are the people that are far from God. In their minds, almost unsavable, unredeemable. How could God ever save that person? Listen, I imagine there are people in your mind and in your circle of influence, family members, friends, coworkers, whatever it is, and you look at their lives and you go, how in the world could they ever come to genuine faith? Because you're looking at the nature of their life. Jesus declares here that the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe in him. So there's an exposing of faithless Israel. There's an equipping of the people of God. Here's your big idea that's going to lead us into our second season of prayer. It's this. The message of Jesus transforms all who repent and believe. Listen, I want you to hear that this morning. And sometimes we just need to be open and confess as God's people. We don't always believe that. There's no one in your sphere of influence There's no one that's going to come to your mind that's far from God that is not beyond the belief and the transformation brought by the message of the gospel when they place faith and they repent and believe. So this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that little card. You're going to pull it back out. We're going to enter into a second season of prayer this morning. As you use that little card, here's the second thing you're going to do with it. Down at the bottom, if you've been a part of our church, we've done this for years. You're going to think about maybe those three spheres of influence or those three spheres where God's planted you. And I want you to ask God to help you identify three names. Individuals, people in your life that you know are far from God. They're lost. They're separated from God because of their sin. They're hopeless apart from God. You know them. I pray your heart breaks for them this morning. And you begin to write their names right down here on this little card. Take a minute, Lord, give me the names of at least three people in my life, maybe family members, co-workers, whatever it is. You're going to write them down on this little card this morning. Start there. something you want to continue may not have all three lines filled in yet it's okay I'll tell you what we're going to do with this card more in just a few minutes but here's what I want you to do now I want you to turn that into prayer right there's families individuals groups however it is some just begin to pray out loud and here's the idea of what we're going to pray for on these Lord make me aware of these people who are in my sphere you've done that secondly Lord would you prepare their heart to hear Repent and believe the message of the gospel. Lord, prepare their heart. Pray for them by name. 
Remember, Jesus, the, the power of prayer from God's faithful people in faith. Pray that God would prepare their hearts. And then secondly, Lord, prepare me to go and tell. Prepare me to go and tell. So someone in the group there, just begin to pray out loud. We'll end this prayer segment in just a minute, but let's begin to pray over these things this morning as a church. Reading from Romans 10, 13 to 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Please pray with me. Our gracious Father, we praise you, Father, that you have given us this good news. Father, you have saved us by this good news. And you have also given us the privilege to work for you to carry this good news. Father, we pray that you would prepare the hearts of all our friends or family members, even strangers, uh, that you would have us meet who don't know you, Father. And we pray that you would also prepare us, Father, give us boldness and courage to take this good news, Father. 
we pray above all, Father, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what I want to do now is walk you into our third segment of prayer. You said, didn't we just sing the final song? Nope, not yet. We just sang sing some truth and continue uh, that idea of this gospel mission that we've been assigned on. So I want to take just a minute and walk you into the third segment of prayer this morning. I'm going to do it this way. Back to Matthew 21. Go ahead and open your Bibles back up if you close them. Going to be in verse 33. I'm going to walk quickly through this last parable here Jesus teaches in chapter 21, verse 33. Hugely important for us uh, this morning. So Jesus begins this way, verse 33. He says, hear another parable. He says, there was a master of a house who planted a vineyard. He put a fence around it dug a wine press in it and built a tower and then leased it to tenants. And this master went away to another country. You can see the imagery here Jesus is using. So in that day, it was very common for landowners to have this elaborate land, this estate, if you will, and they would lease it out to farmers who would tend that land for a season for the purpose of bearing fruit from that land. So they had been entrusted with this privilege. They had been entrusted with something, watch, that was not their own. That's what stewardship means, by the way. You're entrusted with something that doesn't belong to you, and you manage it for another. So this is the illustration he's giving, this parable that he's giving, verse 34. When the season for fruit drew near. And our understanding, even in the season we live in now, there, there is a day coming When the season for fruit will draw near. In other words, our king is going to return. There's going to be a harvest. So so we wait with great expectation for our king to return. He says, when the season for fruit drew near, he, the owner, sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. So they show back up. Those they had leased the land to said, where's the fruit? The tenants took his servant and they beat him. Killed him. Stoned another. He sent other servants. Same thing, over and over. Finally, the landowner says, okay, I'm going to send my son to these tenants of my land. Surely they will respect my son. Verse 38, but when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him. We'll have the inheritance. They took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What, therefore, will the owner of this vineyard do when he comes to these tenants? Remember, Jesus here is exposing faithless Israel. You've been entrusted with so much as a nation. You've been given the stewardship of the message of life. We sent prophet after prophet after prophet to you to declare the truth. And then ultimately, the Father sends his own son, Jesus Christ, to you. And this is a picture of what's going to happen when the full rejection comes, if you will, and they reject the very Messiah. Verse 41, they said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants. Verse 42, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the corner? This was the Lord's doing and it was marvelous in his sight. Speaking of Jesus as the chief cornerstone that was rejected by Israel. So there's this exposure of Israel, but now there's this equipping of God's community of faith. Verse 43 is hugely important for us. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus said, The kingdom of God, the stewardship of the gospel 
all that had been entrusted to Israel. He says, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Who's that? The faithful people of God. We have been entrusted now with the privilege. That's us. Like tenants who are managing something that belongs to someone else, we've been entrusted with the message of the gospel to share, to sow the seed, to see fruit born by the power of God with, what's this, the expectation that there is a day that the master's going to return. <laughs> there is a day the king is going to return. So here's our big idea that's going to lead us into this last season of prayer is this. Jesus' followers live with the urgency of eternity the king is coming that means those who know him us will rejoice in his coming yes but those who do not know him will face judgment our hearts break for those who don't know christ judgment is coming we live with the urgency of eternity looking for the return of our king so I want you to move back into your prayer groups, and this will be our final time this morning, taken from this parable, and I want us to pray about a few things this morning. Here it is. I want you to pray about this. Number one, Lord, help us live with the urgency of eternity, with an awareness that this could be our last day on earth. You could return tomorrow. And there are those around us that that will mean an eternity in a place called hell separated from you. Let us live with the awareness and the urgency of eternity. Secondly, Lord, ask us, enable us to live spiritually fruitful lives. Lord, help us to be fruitful. Help us to faithfully sow the seed of the gospel and we want to see fruit. This is one of your pastors. I long for us to see more people coming to Christ as we share the gospel. Lord, help us to be fruitful and Lord, help us to live in light of your return. It's an awareness of eternity. Lord, we pray for fruitfulness and Lord, help us to live in light of your imminent return. So turn to one another, begin to pray. Someone in the group, just begin to pray these things and then we'll close the time. And wrap it up here in just a few minutes.
when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew 25, 31 through 34. Oh, Father, forgive our apathy and our lack of urgency. Help us to see the peoples with your heart and to love them with your heart. Lord, as we look at the times and we think how horrible, make it urgent in us to tell everybody we meet that you are Savior and Lord and that you have forgiven them. We cannot do this without you. You promised if we open wide our mouth, you will fill it. And we ask you to do that. Come, Lord Jesus, to the nations, to our neighbors, to our families. And we ask you in the power of your name. Amen.